Okay, welcome everyone. My name is Scott Shepard, uh, founder and host of the City's First podcast, and we're very excited to uh, welcome, I think, one of our um, uh, first urbanists, a uh, real kind of uh, expert urbanist to the podcast, and that's actually one of the themes of this podcast is urbanism, or so, so how we brand this. So I think, uh, you know, lending in a layer of authenticity to this and expert opinion is really important. So our featured guest today is coming here from Portugal. So we're both speaking from Portugal today is Daniel Casas Valle. Uh, welcome, Daniel. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, as you all know, we'll kind of go through uh, a brief overview of uh, today's uh, podcast. We'll have a bio and then we'll go through our uh, kind of uh, standard questions focused on uh, city and urban design today. And then we'll kind of wrap things up. So um just to kind of give a background here, um, in terms of uh, Daniel's background, uh, Daniel is founder and owner of Urban Dynamics, based in Porto, Portugal, and Amsterdam, Netherlands. And he is the director of the Future Design of Street, a platform for street design, improving streets as a local, as a social, natural, and mobility space. Daniel works as an urban designer, planner, and researcher at several spatial and urban assignments, from the level of a street to regional planning as a whole. Daniel has a PhD in architecture with an emphasis in dynamics and urban forms, as well as a master's degree in urbanism. And since 2002 has been a guest professor at several universities in Portugal and the Netherlands, among other European universities. So welcome, Daniel. Thanks for joining. And um, we really just want to kind of uh, pick your brain in terms of, you know, what's happening in cities right now here in Portugal, but also across Europe um, and kind of talk about the overall theme in terms of our questions is what's been happening during the COVID pandemic and post pandemic and this kind of disruption in the built environment and how people and cities and all different stakeholders are kind of repositioning how they interact in uh, public spaces and cities as living ecosystems. So um, I think that that's kind of how we'll frame today's discussion. Um, but uh, maybe just before we quickly start um uh, you know, maybe um, actually we'll kind of get back to this in a moment. We'll talk about uh, your uh, book launch as well as your work. So I think we're just going to get right into our questions here. So, Daniel, um, I, the first question I'd like to ask you, and this is really kind of a, um, a novel topic, but as well as a hot topic um, in terms of what was born as an idea in Barcelona, but now it's starting to take root here in Lisbon, as well as even Los Angeles and other global cities, is the concept of the superblock. So I'd like to get your take in terms of how superblocks can help cities reclaim public space for people. Um, good day, good afternoon, good night, whenever you listen to this podcast. Um, and thank you, Scott, for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, very interesting to be here and to share uh, my insights, my knowledge uh, on this question. Um, talking about superblocks, um, of course, it's a phenomenon that you, um, it's, it's mainly in, in Barcelona. And, um, uh, we, uh, try always as urbanists, but also I think that's a kind of human, uh, thing to copy, uh, good examples all, all over the world to improve also our, uh, let's say our, our things in our daily life. And so also in our daily environment, um, superblocks is not something new. In that sense, um, but this is uh, something that uh, appeals in a way to knowing your neighbors uh, in the street that you live in, uh, playing on the street. You 
can call it a kind of a neighborhood skill or you can call it a kind of village. Um, and that is something, a kind of model that Barcelona wanted to adapt or introduce, reintroduce in their dense urban environment with all the things. Um, so basically it means that you have a kind of prioritization for people walking and then biking, public transport, and at the end, uh, the car. And that's something kind of mobility scheme. But as we said also from the future design of streets, streets are not only a mobility space, but there are also space for nature that is happening also in the super blocks in, in Barcelona. So it's about replanting uh, green, let's say green areas, uh, bushes, uh, but also big trees, uh, sometimes in a temporarily, let's say urban tactical uh, matter, sometimes uh, more in a permanent matter. And I think something that I really like uh, about um, Barcelona and the Superblocks is that there are places um, to meet people. So it's the social part of the streets. So it's, about uh, benches, it's about a picnic table, it's about, let's say, streets for school, uh, wherein you have kind of suddenly in street, is not a street anymore, but it's a little square into the neighborhood. So all those aspects, um, um, as I said, it's not something completely new um, from Barcelona. Um, um, it's adapted in Barcelona in a really interesting and um, clever matter um, in a systematical uh, way to do, and I think they are still in the in the early beginning of the transformation of what's called, let's say, the the, the most the largest part of, let's say, the dense area of the Serda grid. So that is, let's say, the the area that is um, that has the streetscapes uh, quite rectangle to each other, uh, blocks, building blocks of 130 by 130 meters from the axis of the street to the axis of the street. So you have a kind of pattern where you can upskill also this kind of model. Um, saying this, I would like to uh, say two things about this model. Uh, first of it, the ideas behind it, they are quite old already, and they are applied in many other cities around the world before. Um, uh, such as, let's say, in the Netherlands, for instance, in Groningen, in an up north uh, town uh, in Groningen, they did already a lot of elements of traffic uh, calming uh, issues, but also the introduction, of course, in the Netherlands about the so-called woonerf, um, that we still, as technicians, uh, use the Dutch uh, term. Uh, that means something about like a living street uh, nowadays. So that means basically in the Portuguese consensus, is they'll say uh, the coexistencia. Uh, but you have many, many uh, cities and uh, countries wherein this is by law organized. And in that sense, um, already from the 70s already, so we are talking about more than 50 years ago, uh, white applied in many, many, many neighbors and many, many cities as well. What is unique? Uh, but Superblock is, of course, the skill and the moment where we are facing it. And I would like to um, point out one element that I think is particularly interesting, besides the social aspect, is that the sustainable um, issue or the sustainable reason why this transformation is happening is a really important one. 
Um, so it's a, as I said, it's, it's a complex system and there are a lot of elements on it. But the sustainable issue is a key element when it becomes a transformation, uh, let's say, policy and transformation in uh, the design and, and different kind of design of um, this kind of streets. Um, and that is um, by having it uh, put it evidence that a car, uh, too many cars in the city, uh, uh, it's not very healthy in terms of air pollution. And because of this, uh, and, and, and tra traffic accidents, but because of the air pollution, uh, they could quantify also that this has a really bad a healthy uh, aspect so people get have um well, problems with their health uh, but also the, uh, literally people um are dying earlier uh, than uh, than it's as possible so i think it's let's say making streets more human kinded or more natural it's not something that it's uh, placed on the level of the street only and not only at the level of the uh, neighborhood, but also at the level of the city and the region itself. So it is a kind of interconnected with each other. And of course, by doing this and uh, having in Europe um, the, the Green Deal and the uh, United Nations goals, uh, wherein sustainability and climate adaptations are uh, important, uh, let's say, challenges uh, that we face. Um, it is, of course, uh, making uh, at the level of the streets better, uh, more social and uh, sustainable, inclusive uh, streets. It has its effect on the bigger scale itself. So it, it is directly connected one to the other. Um, and that, that makes the superblocks, of course, an interesting uh, and uh, reference for many other cities um, around Europe, but also, I think, outside of Europe. Yes, and we're seeing them starting to take root uh, here in Lisbon and Campo Rick with the experiment of the superblocks. Uh, my home city of Los Angeles, California, in the U.S. is experimenting with it on a neighborhood scale. And just to kind of follow up a couple points that you make, um, Barcelona has some unique characteristics, as you mentioned, which uh, kind of lend itself to kind of this uh, early adoption, even though it's not a new concept of the superblock. You mentioned the Serda plan, the, so the Echample so the chamfered street corners, uh, you know, and the, the gridded uh, extension of the city outside of the Gothic quarter uh, was really kind of novel for uh, implementing kind of this uh, kind of geometrical pattern for a super block uh, outside of, let's say, uh, a medieval uh, street pattern. So I think that's really interesting to hit upon. And then when you mentioned kind of the Dutch uh, Netherlands example, too, in terms of the living streets and the Woonerfs, I think that's really important, too, um, and seeing those in many different uh, cities uh, across Europe in terms of these kind of cohabitated spaces uh, that are uh, for all users of kind of from children all the way up to elderly, all modes, and having kind of a, a living room space that people can extend their uh, private domain in the public domain. And then finally, the point you mentioned in terms of the, the greening and the softening of public spaces using super blocks too is really key. So I, I, I'm fully in agreement with you. And um, in terms of alignment with public policy of the European Green Deal, absolutely. So I think that this is just something that uh, was is going to start uh, uh, transforming in, in the uh, coming uh, years ahead. So getting on to our next question here, um, let, let's kind of focus here specifically on uh, Portugal for a moment. So from your opinion and your work and your practice in Porto and Amsterdam, but I'm sure across uh, Portugal specifically, 
maybe you can give the audience members just a, a, a few um, quick examples of what are the best uh, recent um, you know, uh, use cases in terms of tactical urbanism, or as what we like to call do-it-yourself urbanism here in Portugal, in Portuguese cities, if, if you can. Um, that's a very hard question in, in, in a way when, when I, we talk about, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, different inspiring examples, we always look outside uh, of uh, Portugal often. But let me mention one that I think is very inspiring at this moment. This is the recently, let's say, Campo de Rica. Um, okay. right. Uh, example in uh, Lisbon, so it's a neighborhood in Lisbon, um, where you uh, it, there come a lot of things uh, together. So basically, what they did is there. That, so we are talking about a temporarily, um, let's say, rearrangement. Now, in close, they closed some streets, right? Um, uh, for cars, uh, but rather to say that it's better to say uh, they open streets for people. Mm -hmm. um, and that is uh, in, in a neighborhood that um, a small area, actually, from a few uh, building blocks where in the central area was kind of car free around a um, garden, uh, an urban park. Uh, not very big, but kind of scale enough with four streets around it. And so that was suddenly completely for uh, without cars, at least. Um, I, I suppose that they arranged, of course, um, the technical uh, accessibility for ambulances and fire departments for the rest. And basically, it was completely for cars, uh, for people. And with that, um, the street became a uh, play uh, uh, a yard and, and became a kind of a podium to sit and to drink and, and to have uh, music, etc. But this is kind of interesting. Although it, I, I believe it was just a, a, a something about a week uh, or something like this. So this is also uh, the weakest part of, of this example pilot uh, element because in, in seven, in, let's say in a little bit of a week, you cannot expect that people really uh, change habits. Uh, so um, that's like opening a street because there's a work and then after one work, let's say one week, we have the same habits. So, um, but nevertheless, there are a few things that are uh, interesting in it. Um, first of all, to do this, I think it's extremely important to make pilots um, from um, Rita Castello Branco, um, one of the ones that were involved with this indeed many, many years ago. I understood also that there is something to be learned about who takes the initiative. So one thing is, let's say, if the municipality should take or must take an initiative in doing this, or is it the local population itself? And the uh, and of course, if the, the let's say the local population wants to have change, this is something that is really important um, in all kinds of aspects. Because at the end, what we are talking about this case, and also in the case of Barcelona and many other uh, cities around uh, Europe, is that um, facing, of course, the population that is not growing in Europe, um, because, uh, um, that, that we are more and more talking about transformation of existing streets rather to make new streets. So that means that in every street that it is, it has a context, uh, not only in, in kind of neighborhood, but also in a social economical context. And this is made by people and organizations. So if you don't, um, let's say, uh, make these changes together, 
really uh, literally together with the population and with uh and then as a municipality, you, I think you don't understand very much the dynamics. Right? It's not about a pure mobil- mobility issue. That sometimes is completely, I think, uh, misunderstanding in the super blocks or misunderstanding on the 50 minutes city or all kinds of concepts that are now around. But it is also about making um, it a more sustainable uh, neighborhood. Um, and I would say it's in, in terms of social relations, terms of nature but also in terms of economy economy um because we are facing a lot of issues on it and that, that started so back to the campo de rick so it's very inspiring um one thing that i understood as well is that because of this pilot um they are now at least uh, try to uh, adapt um let's say an a bigger project it's the metro line. Uh, there is a metro line uh, projected under under the park, uh, so there is an option um, to um, let's say adapt that in favor to uh, let's say maintain the existing trees in the uh, in the in the in the same uh, uh, park. So this is, I think, is something that is uh, you can call it a participation process uh, that affects let's say uh, other projects that are beneath the the, the, the the pavement literally um but of course this is something um, the weak part or the challenge I think is also to dare to do this um on a larger uh, scale um, um and and uh, also for a longer time period because then really you can understand if people um uh, let's say, um, can shift to other kind of mobility modes and other kind of habits, uh, wherein uh, at the end you make a neighborhood more sustainable, more social inclusive. So I think this is a quite important elements. I think still to go, um, and 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 that is uh, a point. Last point um, for now. Uh, I think and that I think is is something that we. Um, is this social inclusiveness, let's say, of this kind of uh, intervention or this kind of events? Um, as we know, Campo de Rick is, uh, let's say, not the poorest neighborhood of uh, Lisbon. Uh, rather, is it more richer part of uh, uh, the area? And we can also consider uh, that um, an, an pilot as this in Campo de Rick doesn't work in other uh, areas in. Uh, Lisbon area uh, in the region or whatever, where you you have neighbors with, let's say, at the end, uh, people that have to have two or three or even more work uh, work jobs uh, a week uh, to uh, maintain, uh, let's say, the 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 family, and that that means as well that that at 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 the same time, uh, from on a lot of obviously very good reasons. Um, uh, we have also to uh, see that uh, the Campo Rick uh, project is also possible because people have, in a certain level, time for this. So maybe it's a kind of luxury element where in other neighborhoods, uh, where we're facing a lot of the same similar problems and uh, uh, and challenges, um, they simply not have the time uh, or even not the capacity in because they are uh, the, the, the 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 hectic of the, the, the dynamic uh, life of the, a lot of people is uh, not giving this space. So this 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 is always a kind of dilemma 
in a way in um, making atoms, uh, let's say at the level of the street or a few building blocks, life better. So, and I, I understand if you can, you know, if, if you go to the city as Ponte Vedra in, 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 in North Spain, in Galicia, wherein you have already 20 years and policy of making a better space for walking, 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 walking as the best medicine and the best elements to feel healthy. Um, that is, of course, something that we can apply in many, many other cities. And I think uh, it is important to provide this not only in the rich neighborhoods, but also in all the neighborhoods and all the urban areas. And that's a big challenge uh, because... Um, uh, there are some areas that is easier to implement than the others. Absolutely. Yeah. Socioeconomics and uh, gentrification to use the North American term. So uh, is it easier to copy and paste, uh, you know, uh, small scale uh, pilot projects in areas that are already kind of middle to upper middle to upper class um, that have more uh, leisure time and uh, disposable income? And are those areas, uh, you know, really scalable to the full metropolis and the metropolitan level for all uh, income levels and uh, demographies, whether they be bedroom communities, commuter suburbs, or other uh, perhaps disadvantaged communities. Um, and that is the challenge. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a nice start. And uh, we, I've been following that uh, project very closely as well, too. But it'll be nice to see kind of a variety of use cases and different interventions uh, starting let's say with the local level and the interface of the uh, the public as well as uh, agencies and the private sector kind of working together, but uh, in uh, many different uh, urban contexts uh, above and beyond more <laughs> gentrified uh, communities, as we like to say in America. So um, let's hope that this will, this momentum will be continue beyond Campo de Rique to other areas. Um, so uh, moving on to our next question, I think we're going to jump into your work right now so that we uh, make sure we have enough time for what you're doing. Um, so let's, let's focus on what you're up to here. So I'd like to share with the audience if you could tell us about your work with the Future Design of Streets Association and book and your recent book launch, any upcoming book tours as well as speaking engagements and kind of uh, your thinking behind the association as well as um, the book itself too. Um, well, we started in uh, 2019, 2020 uh, with this project. And basically the, um, the, the, the driving part on, on it was um, actually to link and make a bridge between academical knowledge and practice knowledge. Because we see a lot of, let's say, separated worlds from a university um, education programs, but also about uh, the the research program and um, that doesn't uh, in, in one other way doesn't lend into the the practice but also the the knowledge what you can gain with practice uh, doesn't lend often uh, at the academical level and as urban design but also our streets is something that is from all of us uh, it's 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 technical and also conceptual and it's also about really functional and it's also about the beauty of and the poetry of the street itself. So there's a lot of things that coming into the streets. And um, actually streets are the essential of our urban environment. So this is where you basically step down uh, on the street, out of your door, from your private, uh, let's say, area, wherever, 
you live in an apartment or on ground floor, uh, uh, let's say, house, uh, or you are uh, uh, working at the office or doing sports on the gym or even in fabric, uh, you know, at the end, this common space, this collective space, this public space, it's one of the most essential elementary uh, uh, public space that we have. And um, often it's also, if that is good organized, then normally we are talking about good streets, uh, good cities and towns and villages um, without noticing it. And that is something uh, interesting on it. Um, so this is basically our drive on it. And digging into the street, it's important, let's say, to having the bridge. So our book, The Future Design of Streets, it's the same name. Uh, we publish it in September. Uh, it's out there uh, through our website. Uh, so that is also the same name, the future design of streets.au. Um, from there, you can find a lot of information. Um, you can find more than 20 webinars uh, online. Uh, so there's plenty of hours of uh, that you can join um, about conversation that we had in the last four years uh, with um, people, designers uh, from uh, historian, from architecture, landscape architecture, from policy to placemaking uh, issues. So we have a lot of uh, guests talking about streets and sharing their ideas and solutions about possible streets transformation or street improvements. The book is a little bit of a reflection on that. And this is uh, uh, basically in one line or two lines, basically. Streets are not only mobility space, but also social and natural spaces. And we designed um, here 10 tips the key topics, 10 uh, topics um, that if you want to uh, improve your own street, uh, whatever you are a policymaker and designer or a citizen, um, it gives you some uh, tips and tricks how to do this and uh, also insights. Um, what is important to take care if you want to do this. Um, so that's a little, a little bit uh, uh, about, let's say, the book. And yeah, we are an association in that sense that we are a uh, an, 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 an group of people, let's say, involved with uh, this um, uh, topic about streets. And um, uh, we are an association also to have the coming uh, years, and that's our plan to continue with our project and to involve many uh, other projects um, such as academical projects, uh, research projects, but who are also working at this moment with various uh, municipalities uh, to work really to improve uh, the public space um, uh, there. Uh, so it's about the design planning uh, and, 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 and the debate on it, uh, that is really important um, uh, to uh, maintain uh, life and uh, continuous. Yeah, and it's really serving a kind of a needed gap in terms of uh, literature as well as kind of best practices, of, like you mentioned, kind of bridging the gap between academic thought and uh, practitioner-based thought um, and uh, kind of a, a do-it-yourself guide. So kind of fitting back to the themes of whether a local community wants to do like uh, tactical urbanism or do-it-yourself urbanism, what are the fundamental building blocks and elements to kind of uh, transform their cities that are aligned with kind of um, kind of these fundamental themes that we're all challenged with right now in terms of decarbonization, sustainability, 
as well as kind of, you know, this uh, transformative landscape that uh, we see at the metropolitan level. Um, so having, um, let's say, a uh, guidebook uh, that provides clear examples of, let's say, European cities or more mature cities. So I believe this is a bit more um, existing cities uh, versus uh, greenfield, <laughs> new urban development sites. So we're not referring to that or anything like that, because there's plenty of books out there that talk about new urban design or traditional neighborhood design for greenfield developments, but basically retrofitting existing cities and how to um, transform them for the 21st century in this kind of post-COVID world. So I applaud your efforts. I'm, I'm following that very closely and we'll, we'll obviously kind of share the links, you know, in social media once we uh, publish this podcast. So uh, congratulations, Daniel, on that uh, major milestone and achievement. And we'll all follow your work on that. I think we have time for one more question. We're going to squeeze it in. Yeah, oh. no problem. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, okay. So we're, okay, I got the 10 minute mark here. So we're, we're going to squeeze this question in real fast. So just two or three minutes on this one and then we'll wrap it up. Um so uh, just the hot button topic is around uh, the 15 minute city. So it's become cliche right now, quite honestly, Danielle. And we've heard it uh, ad nauseum across the um, social media world over the last uh, six months. But just like to get your take, maybe just two minutes really quickly. Final question of uh, does it stand the test of time? Meaning that can the city 15 minute city become a viable alternative to auto centricity? Just your really quick take on that. Or is there something we're missing? Well, if I just want to pinpoint one uh, element on on this concept, is that is um, um, in all the discussions, it's completely simplified the model. So it's it's not about the fifty minutes in itself, because the fifty minutes cannot be exist without the thirty minutes and the forty five minutes. So this is something very important to keep in mind. And it's again not only about mobility, and there's also kind of misleading about this concept. Um, the concept started with a sustainable approach. And uh, to simplify the analysis, this is basically they um, they understood there are two main sectors that are um, making a lot of pollution in our world. That's mobility and it's the construction sector. There are two sectors that are making the most, the used most energy um, in itself. So if, if you really want to have a sustainable energy balance, you should transform this or you should modernize this or make this more sustainable. And this is something that is important to drive after behind the 15 uh, minutes element. We know everything about the mobility, but if you talk about the construction and how we use, let's say, our cities, there is also something that is quite interesting, um, uh, let's say, uh, observable is that the, the most of the buildings that we use we there are a lot lot of hours empty during the day so your house is now empty because you are now working at your place or your office is uh, empty in the evening and in 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 in, 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 in the weekend days and there are many if you th think about this there are many many square meters uh, around the city that are completely not used and of course i i want not, not to plead that you have to use them every 24 uh 24 7 but if you have a, a rather than a nine uh, or ten hours using you can increase these spaces for other kind of uses like 15 hours or 16 hours and so a school uh, place uh, for instance can be used as an uh, let's say uh, uh, play for music in the evening or the gym in school as well and if you 
start to understand, let's say that in the building terms and kind of and in the requirements, and I want to you want to use on it, then you see a lot of space in it. And that's also about the 50 minutes. It is also about, let's say, don't do things next to each other. Don't go ahead with the zoning plans at this moment anymore. And we believe or not, in Europe, in the many most countries of Europe, there are zoning plans still on it. So this is a model of 50, 60, 70 years ago. That's quite old fashioned. And if we want to turn around, making sharper uh, and uh, uh, more efficiently, but also having cross links with different kinds of activities. And we faced this, of course, in the COVID period, you know, that we were working at our homes and we were playing and we were making music as well. You know, we can also adapt it to other places, uh, built environments. And I think that is also a kind of key issue in it. And it's just to pinpoint one thing, but it's much more than that. So I think all the discussion about uh, are you in favor or not, don't don't you know li- listen very b- well to people and 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 I think it's much more rich than there is. Is it an, a secret or is it let's say the holy grail? No, of course not. There are many things that are already, of course, on a neighborhood scale and you know all the kind of all the concept of models are in place. And the future of street of streets is from one part can adapt these elements or not, but probably it's not all the streets not. So it's not received for all the places. But it's a receipt that you can, you know, you can use it in a wise way in your own context. Don't make it a blueprint because it doesn't work like this and it never was written like this. And if you open your eyes on it, I think that's much more possible. And just a link to the future design of streets. Our book is basically also that. You don't find in our book blueprints how to make a street better. What you find is a thought, a spectrum, how to think about the streets in a different way. And you have to, let's say, together with other people, with, let's say, the technicians from the municipality, with uh, other stakeholders, together, you have to have this trans- transform- transformation process and, and do it together. Because that's an important thing if you live in cities. It's about collective space and public space. This is... And, um, well, in that sense, there is a link between the 50 minutes city and the way how we can transform streets in uh, many cities, small and big ones. Yep. And your work is really informing kind of these best practices. Uh, the 15 minute city is about getting back to basics and just using common sense. And uh, my, my personal take on it is that it is kind of a rebrand of traditional neighborhood development uh, circa 19th century, just getting back to the pre-industrial era of, of real walkable human scaled uh, cities. So I think that's really important. So we are running out of time here. So maybe if you could just uh, 30 seconds, give everyone um, where we can find you on social media and other channels and then where they can connect with you and your work. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, also on the future design of streets, uh, dot, uh, you. Uh, so this is uh, my website or on urban dynamics dot, uh, info. There are the three elements. Uh, if you have some questions, please contact us and, uh, we will see. <laughs> and your book, is it also available beyond your website too, Amazon and other uh, channels, or is it just, on, just so? Everyone... No, it's only, uh, through our website. Okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah. 
yeah. for now. <laughs> Maybe for now, for now, for now. Maybe after this podcast. <laughs> and you're, after this project, it's going to go global. Yes, we we hope so. Global. This is the, the part of this. This is great. Should be so, nice. Yeah. Okay. Really fascinating talk. Uh, one of my favorite episodes, uh, honestly. Uh, just as a uh, urbanist myself, and really kind of getting back to uh, basics, getting back to what makes sense, kind of getting some sanity in cities now that we're, I like to say we're kind of post-pandemic now and the dust is settling and we're really trying to kind of scale uh, experiments and solutions that were a really kind of, let's say, in an emergency um, fashion, um, circa 2020, 2021, and uh, seeing how these can really start being layered in on a variety of cities. So I like to just kind of leave with the audience to here. Um, we should start looking at um, kind of a range of contexts and cities that are implementing new urban schemes um, pre and post COVID, uh, such as um, in Italy, such as in Germany, such as in Austria and throughout Europe, and how cities have gone from very car-centric, auto-centric types of landscapes to ones that are much more focused on active mobility and active transportation and greening their urban cores. So I think that's one of the most uh, positive transformations I've seen in the last uh, four years. Um, certainly the silver lining to the pandemic is how cities are really starting to kind of take back control of the public spaces for uh, people. So that leaves me with actually a lot of positivity, um, despite a lot of the headlines that we read in the news and everything. So again, thank you so much, Daniel. It was a real pleasure. I'd love to have you on for maybe a part two at some point uh, mm -hmm. next year, but we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that. And um, uh, thank you everyone for uh, joining and uh, look for this episode to be uh, posted online soon. And our next guest next month will be um, Andrea Learned. Um, she's a sustainability expert based in Seattle, Washington, the United States, and we'll be recording that episode in uh, late November. So thank you again, Daniel, for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.